It is so good to hear music in this sanctuary again. Van Ralty, Peters, Tuke, DeVries, and the great cloud of witnesses that have been gathering in the sanctuary for so many decades uh, would be pleased. If you're newer to the Pillar community or literally just happen to be uh, online watching this, uh, we would love to be able to care for you too. Uh, there's an email address that we've established. It's care at pillarchurch.com. If you have any particular needs or concerns that we can be mindful of, us, uh, mindful of please uh, send them to us. Uh, also, for those of the Pillar community, hopefully you've been receiving daily emails with the video devotionals. If you haven't received those, please email office at pillarchurch.com and we'll be sure you get them. There's also a database called Breeze. It's like an online church directory. If you have any moments free uh, to upload your profile or, or uh, upload the information, particularly pictures, would be incredibly helpful as we try to stay connected uh, in this season. And then because the mission and ministry of the church continues, albeit in a different way, uh, it would be a tremendous gift if you would, are able and willing to consider giving to the mission and ministry of the church by clicking the Give link on our PillarChurch.com website, and you'll find all kinds of avenues to continue to support the ministries of the church. Uh, for now, we're going to gather around the Word. Uh, I want you to s- sing a song with me. I'm going to ask you to do something that will make you extremely uncomfortable I want you to sing a song, but I want you to grab your phone. Most of you probably have it with you already. I want you to find the camera app on your phone. I want you to go to the video link. I want you to click the button that allows you to see yourself. I want you to record yourself or whomever you're with singing with me, and then I want you to send me the clip. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. I might share it to the, with the staff. I might share it with the council. I might put it online. I might ask you for your permission, but I want to I hear you singing. So uh, let's try this together. Uh, oh, by the way, it's a song uh, written in 1918. It goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. How did that go? Now let's try it again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thanks so much for trying that with me. I want to see your clips. I want to hear your voices. There's a reason for singing that song. I, my guess is you'll understand after hearing this story. So listen carefully, listen well. As he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. And Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, Opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him and asked him privately, when will this be? 
And what will be the sign that these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus said, beware that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and many will be led astray. There will be wars and rumors of war. Do not be alarmed. These things must take place. The end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famine. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. As for yourselves, beware. They will hand you over to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them, but first the good news must be proclaimed to all nations. When you're brought to trial and handed over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. Say what is given to you at the time, for it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will rise against brother to death. A father, his child. Children will rise against their parents and have them put to death, and all of you will be hated because of my name. The one who endures to the end will be saved. When you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be, let the reader understand. Those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the rooftop must not go down and enter the house to take anything away. Those in the field should not turn back to grab their coat. Woe to those who are pregnant in those days and nursing infants. Pray that it may not be winter. There will be suffering on the creation that God created that has never been seen from the beginning, no, and never will be. And if God had not cut short those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has cut short those days. Many will come and say, look, there's the Messiah, or look, here he is. Do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will come with signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But I've already told you everything. In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming down in the clouds with great power and glory, then he will send out his angels, they will gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. When its branches are tender and it puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So when these things take place, know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things are accomplished. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. No one knows the day or the hour, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep awake, for no one knows the time. It's like a man who goes on a journey and leaves his slaves in charge, each to their work, and commands the doorkeeper to keep watch. And when the master comes in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. Therefore, I say to you what I say to all, keep awake. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Mark chapter 13. Jesus, with the crisis of the world in his heart. 
with the crisis of his own life just before him. The crisis of his life that takes shape in a cross as a grave is dug out offers these words from Mark 13. Now let me be very clear. I am in no way comparing what is happening in Mark 13 to the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic lockdown that we're experiencing now. And here's why I'm not even going to compare them in any way. Because I don't know. I don't know, and frankly, you don't know when the end, this is not some signs, sign of the end times sort of passage. Uh, everyone who's predicted the end has been wrong throughout all of history. That's the first reason why I'm not going to compare these two. Secondly, Jesus says, no one knows. <laughs> Third, it already happened. Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all these things have been accomplished, and they were accomplished. The temple was torn down in 70 AD. Not one stone was left upon another. The Roman-Jewish war took place between 66 and 70. All the first disciples of Christ were handed to councils, stood before governors and kings. All of them were put to death or at the very least exiled. So I'm not comparing this passage to our lives, but I am wondering, when life is hard... What does Jesus compel us to do? When the days are tough, who does Jesus have on his heart? When the world is swirling, how is Jesus going to make it right? I'm less interested in predicting an end, and I'm more interested in what Jesus compels us to do when life is tough. You know what he compels us to do? Beware. Six times in Mark 13. He either says, beware, keep awake, stay alert, beware. It's actually an optical word. It, it, it's blepo if you're interested in these sorts of things. He says, look, keep your eyes open, stay focused, keep your eye on the ball. Mark's actually playing with words. Uh, the, the disciple comes out of the temple with Jesus and says, look, teacher. He's gawking at the big buildings. And then later, when Jesus is talking about what will happen, he says, uh, look, there's the Messiah, or look, that's a different word. That word is idu, behold. Uh, it's like when you're driving down the road and someone's uh, seeing an accident off to the side of the road and they, they look at it. There's so, they're called rubberneckers. Uh, there's so many voices swirling in our world. Look over here, look over there. Projections and predictions and prognostications and all of them leave us looking around sort of in awe, gawking. And Jesus says, not that kind of looking, beware. Keep your eyes open. Stay focused. Keep your eyes on my person. Keep your eyes on my purposes. Keep your eyes on my heart for the world, my passions for this day. It reminds me of a song. How did that go again? Oh, yeah. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Uh, business people know this. This is why we call it vision. Stay focused on the objective. I like to jog. I think of myself more as a wounded zoo animal than like a human running, so don't call animal control. And mostly while I'm jogging, I'm thinking about how much longer do I have to go? How much longer will this take? And every once in a while, if I run far enough, my mind gets fatigued enough and I stop thinking about my own body and how much longer and how much farther, and I just notice I'm looking straight ahead. I'm looking off in the distance. I'm staying focused. Isn't that what the letter to the Hebrew, the author of the letter to the Hebrews said? Look to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, N.T. Wright, uh, reflecting on this very passage, 
It's important for us to remind ourselves of our own call to watch, to be alert. The judgment that fell on the temple is a foretaste, according to other passages in the New Testament, of the judgment that will fall on the whole world. This time there are to be no signs, despite the regular attempts to speculate on such things, no advance warnings, just the ongoing command to God's people in Christ to be faithful to him, not to compromise with the standards and fashions of the present age, but to keep awake, watching, as Paul again says, for the day to dawn, in whose light the dim flickering candles of the present age will be needed no more. Beware. When life is tough, keep your eyes focused. Keep your eyes open. Look to Jesus. I'm interested in what Jesus compels us to do when life is tough. I'm interested in who Jesus has on his heart when the days are difficult. You know who Jesus has on his heart? Uh, Jesus has you on his heart. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute. You know who else he has on his heart? Uh, He has the whole world on his heart. That's what it says. Beginning at verse 9, As for yourselves, beware, for they will hand you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. Jesus has the world on his heart. When days are long and life is tough, Jesus has mission on his heart. Jesus himself has the crisis of the world in his heart. Jesus himself has the very crisis of his own life set before him. The cross ahead of him, the grave being dug out, the sponge with vinegar about to be pressed on his bleeding skull, and Jesus is talking about mission. Jesus is talking about the world. Jesus has those refugees in Syria whose backs are pushed against the closed border of Turkey right now who could only dream of social distancing on his heart. Jesus has the children of our community, the food-insecure children of our community on his heart. Jesus has the missionaries from Mexico and Honduras and Nicaragua and Romania, missionaries associated with Pillar who have been called back to the States on his heart, and not just the missionaries, but those whom they're serving. I've been so, can I say this? Is this okay to say? I've been so proud of the Pillar. I've been so proud of the church community, not just the Pillar community in the last several weeks. People, the church community has been stepping up in mission. While the world swirls in chaos, the church is on mission. Ben Aguilera at the Boulevard, partnering with Denise Kingdom Greer at Maple Ave, inviting us to partner with Holland Public Schools to give food to food insecure children in our community. That's what's on Jesus' heart. I got an email from a healthcare professional earlier this week asking if Pillar could somehow, in some way, provide a necessary equipment like masks for uh, healthcare professionals at Holland Hospital because that person had heard we were doing the same for Spectrum in Kent County. Let's do it, Pillar. That's what's on God's heart. When the world is swirling, Christ is focused on mission. Let's join him. Let's be in on it too. Uh, Saturday night, I think it was, I got an email or a text message. Hey, what's your address? It was, I texted two, I'm not going to tell you my address. Uh, A couple of minutes later, there were two pizza boxes on my front porch. I didn't need the food, but I loved the encouragement. On the pizza box was written in Sharpie, your family's a great gift to our community. The pizza was great. The note meant a whole lot more. That's on God's heart. Mission. And you're on God's heart. Mark 13. Jesus says, 
If God had not cut short those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has cut short those days. For the sake of the elect whom he chose. We can argue later about human agency versus, or human responsibility versus divine agency. We can argue later about predestination and free will. But get the point. The God who made the world, who holds the world in his hands, cares about you. You who bought more toilet paper than you could ever use a few weeks ago. You, who figure someone will make toilet paper again. He cares about you, who lost your job this week. He cares about you, who have been worrying about the market the last few days. He cares about you, who every ache and sniffle and sneeze, you're wondering, is it now? Is it here? Is it me? He cares about you. I like these words from the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number 26. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son, I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he's almighty God and desires to do this because he's a faithful father. You're on his heart, pillar. You're on his heart when the days are hard and life is difficult. You're on his heart. I'm interested in what Jesus compels us to do, beware. I'm interested in who's on his heart, mission, and you. I'm interested in how he intends to make things right in a world that swirls. How's he going to make it right? It's easy to read the Heidelberg Catechism. He'll turn to good. Whatever comes my way in this sad world, oh, really? Is that right? How are you going to do that, God? How are you going to pull that one off, God? Because it sure doesn't seem like it right now. It doesn't feel like it right now. People in Otto County are saying it's the calm before the storm. So what's next, God? How are you going to make this one right, God? Americanized Christianity has forfeited the language of lament. We've given it away. I don't know why. We've got to be able to lament the sadness of our lives, the sadness of the world. Lament and hope are the obverse and reverse side of the same coin. We don't lament to wallow. We lament because we have faith in a God who might do something. We have faith in a God who comes. Jesus shares this devastating reality about what they're going to face and then shifts gears begins quoting from the prophecy of Daniel. In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then, that's hope, then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then, that's hope, he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. That's hope, not as opposed to lament, but with lament, because of lament. How will God make it right? He'll show up. 
Finally, one day, ultimately, he'll come again to make all things new and to make all things right. Every tear will be wiped from your eye. Death will be no more. The home of God will be among mortals. And until that great day, when, it, when he comes again to make it all new and to make it all right, he shows up by the power of the Holy Spirit here, now, to you, in your screened-in porch, at your dining room table, in your office at the hospital, wherever you are, he shows up. That's how he's going to make it right. He's going to make it right by being present to you wherever you are, whatever you know, whatever you experience. I got an email uh, from a pillarite uh, this week, a retired pastor, a pastor of 60 years. He's probably in his 80s now, so we'll just assume he retired in like 2010 and was a pastor for 60 years. So that's like 1950 when he started in pastoral ministry. Think about all that that pastor pastored. Uh, the social revolution, the market crash of 69, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and we could tick off all of the challenges of history. Uh, this was the email. Dear pastor, and by the way, you have no idea what it's like to be called pastor by a pastor of 60 years. Dear pastor, we're both doing well. He's referring to he and his wife praying that you are too. In all of my 60 years of ministry, nothing ever like now. So I don't have any words of wisdom as to what to do. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciated the honor. I actually felt known. I felt seen. I felt cared for. Sorry, pastor. I don't, I don't have much to say. I've been given a ton of good advice. This was appreciated. And then he went on to add, I don't have any words of wisdom as to what to do. Sorry. Just Jesus' words. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. That's how he's going to make it right. He's going to show up. He's going to come near. He's going to draw near to you wherever you are. And then he closes the email. The Lord be with you. Peace. In other words, friends, beware. Keep your eyes open. Christ will appear. Christ will show up finally one day to make it right. And here now by the Spirit to you today. My friend, my pastor friend, end of the Lord be with you, peace. I'd like to end in song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.